This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Friday, everybody. It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, as always, my dudes, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. We say this a lot. We say we got a packed show. We're never inaccurate, really, when we say that, because to us, it's, it's kind of always a lot to get to. This one's going to be slammed. We've got a lot of Georgia Notre Dame talk in this one. Uh, it's the third one of the week, and, and we've still got more to get to than we can probably even fathom or even really get to and and uh, uh we saved a lot of it for this show and uh it seems to me and rusty i gotta i gotta get your opinion on this it seems to me that georgia's coming off a of bye week because i feel like we've talked about this game for two weeks now i thought like this is the longest game week ever and i'll say that knowing that guys we we aren't really fans you know all of us you know have followed georgia football for a long time the fan part of it died a long time ago uh, but at the same time, we love big games. We love this sport. Doesn't matter if it's USC, Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, Texas, uh, Oklahoma. Doesn't matter. We we would love covering big games and talking about big games. But this one, I think we've got a little bit of a taste of of how long this one has taken to get here. Uh, does it seem the same way for you, Rusty? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've all. I mean, you guys know I'm a better talker than I am a writer, and I've done more radio, more this video, more that video this week than I've ever done at 24-7, ever. And that includes a team playing in the national championship. That includes a team playing in the Sugar Bowl. That includes a team playing in an SEC championship against Alabama twice. I mean, um, it's just because what I, I've talked about a little couple of times, I believe, is, is you bring Notre Dame in and you bring the entire country with you because I can't say it enough. There's a lot of people that hate the SEC. I mean, you go outside of, you know, this this part of the country and people could care less they're tired of it, they're tired of hearing about it but you bring notre dame into this and you bring them into this part of the country prime time night game uh regardless of the point spread whatever the attention is there on a top 10 matchup and uh i was thinking back this was september i think it was in september of 2014 they announced this home and home series so um, and it's been five years in the making. Uh, it's coming coming to fruition this weekend in Athens. Between the hedges, I, I can't even imagine the amount of aluminum recycling that's going to be going on in the next 24 hours in Athens. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of I, – I guess you, the only thing that offset that is a glass bottle because uh, it's going to no be one or the other. There's a lot of, a lot of light beer, craft beer – 
Good Lord. Every, Kip, every kind of beer, every kind of beer, but non-alcoholic beer. Don't get, don't get Kip juiced up this early in the morning, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of craft beer drink uh, in Clark County. I can assure you the next 24 hours. Hopefully not too much. Maybe a lot of these people will be able to remember what happened. But uh, you gave us some homework uh, last last episode. You had a question for us. You said, who is this game bigger for, yep. Georgia and Notre Dame? And I'm going to go ahead and throw my take in right now. It's Notre Dame. Uh, this huge game for Georgia, don't get me wrong. Like Georgia can, Georgia can absolutely vault itself uh, into, into more, even a different level, I would say, of relevancy. They can they can do some big things in this game. They can really kind of uh, put themselves in the forefront of the conversation. But a loss, Georgia still controls its own destiny. Notre Dame, that's not the case. Notre Dame's going to need some help. No conference championship. Uh, you never know how tough their schedule is going to be. Some years it ends up being ridiculously tough, and some years it ends up being a lot easier than it looks. And uh, I, I just think this game's a little bit bigger for for Notre Dame than it is Georgia. Uh, Kip, where do you stand on that? Overall, I agree with that. I think for this season, you, obviously the margin of error would be much smaller for Notre Dame without that, you know, the conference game that they had to fall back on. For Georgia, they can run the table and beat whoever comes from the West. And, you know, they almost got in last year with two losses into the college football playoffs. So I think Obviously, a one-loss Georgia team would be hard for the committee to pass up. But then at the same time as a program, with a you know a, a third-year quarterback, this offensive line that Georgia has, and, and just you know the overall where this program is supposed to be right now in year four under Kirby Smart, you, you really you know you can't underscore that that, that Georgia. They've talked about it. They even put that in their their game trailer this week, Georgia. Just the, the discussion about the program in big games and taking that next step as a program. You know, it, it's pretty close to being even for these two teams of of how much this this game means because that's what Georgia's wanting to do. They're trying to put that stamp on their program and they're trying to build that resume. And having a home game here, you know, at night, it, this is what they've worked for. So to be, to go out there and and not have the performance that they're expecting to, I think would be kind of tough for them moving forward. It also, you know, might have a lingering effect on some of the younger players. You know, some of the the freshmen that are playing pivotal roles out here. Maybe they they don't come up big in this. Obviously, Kirby would use that uh, for the rest of the year to try to motivate them. But I think there's there's still so much for Georgia. The, the stage is theirs this weekend. And everyone, you know, they are the favorite. They're expected to go out there and perform. And if they don't, you know, that lingering question of, of where the, the program is now under Kirby Smart, you know, the, those questions would just become even louder. So I, I think for, for, for Georgia as a program, this game means more. Obviously, Notre Dame wants that defining win, and they need that because they just don't have that margin of error that, that Georgia has. So this season means more for Notre Dame, but I, I think for Georgia, th this is just one of those games where they kind of, uh, you know, this defines where they're at right now. It's that measuring stick of what they've been able to accomplish as far as, a, you know, talent acquisition, but also development. Rusty, where are you at on this? Man, all week, all summer, all whatever 
Um, I have thought without a, without hesitation, without a doubt, this game was much bigger in the grand scheme of things for Notre Dame. And I'll, I'll have to be honest, uh, cheating off somebody else's stat, I was watching SEC Network, Marty McGee and those guys, and they um, showed the all-state playoff percentages if each team wins and each team loses. They made a great point. Georgia has a 48% chance, 50-50 basically, to make the playoffs with their schedule, what's laying in front of them from here on out. If Georgia loses to Notre Dame, it goes from 48% to 20%. And I know everybody's going to say, well, they still control their own destiny. They do, but the margin of error goes down big time, 28%. If Georgia loses this game, meaning they can't have a hiccup at Auburn, uh, you know, probably losing a close game in the SEC championship don't get you in with two losses. So I understand that thinking of it, and that made me really think Georgia's a what or Georgia 14 point favorite, 13 and a half, something like that. This is a game they must win and handle this business. Um, I don't think the playoff committee is going to mind if it winds up being 31 to 30. If Georgia winds up beating Notre Dame pretty good, obviously it looks more impressive. But, um, you know, I really didn't think about that side, but the margin of error for Georgia goes down tremendously because the Texas A&M game is still there. Florida's still there. Um, You know, at Auburn's still there. An SEC championship potentially still there. Their margin of error goes down. This is a game Georgia needs to win. This is a game Georgia should win. Uh, and and I, I was thinking the whole time this was a much bigger game for Notre Dame. But in my opinion, this is a bigger game for Georgia because they need to keep that cushion in case they have that one game they lose down the line. They will still probably control their destiny. I don't know that Georgia controls their destiny with two losses. Did did they have uh, that stat for Notre Dame? They did. It was 66%. If Notre Dame wins, it's 68% to make the college football playoff. So well, what was it if they lost though? They're down to I think 31, which kind of surprised me, but the the, the that, thinking behind that, that the, the thinking behind that is uh Georgia's margin of error slams so much because with two losses it's harder to get in. If Notre Dame were to lose 42 to 34 and then run the table, you can say what you want, but they, they, they're going to have a pretty good shot of probably making it because of who they are and where they're going to be ranked at the time. So, you know, we can discuss that another day, but I was very surprised. And then, listen, I don't know what goes in all those calculations, but I do understand the concept, and it does make sense to me, and that's how I'll answer. I think it's a bigger game for Georgia now that I look at it that way because basically that's based off what Georgia has left in the margin of error. Yeah, I guess I just look at it as – Hey, what what has this Georgia team been under Kirby Smart coming off of losses? And they've really done a good job of writing the ship and playing their best football coming off that. I just feel like if Georgia were to lose this game, they've still got a good shot of running the table and getting into college football playoff. Now, it you know I I think that if it wins this game uh, and and wins out the regular season, I mean it that, it just goes up every week simply because I don't know that the SEC championship game even ulti- even is going to end up mattering at that point. I have a hard time seeing Notre Dame in if they if they lose this one, especially if they lose it convincingly, because I sure. think there's probably another loss or two on the schedule. But it's, I guess it's kind of a different you know you, there there are a lot of different ways. It's almost like stats you know you can kind of slant them to where you want them. 
Um, there's a lot of different ways you can think about this and get to different points and get to different areas and and uh, different philosophies regarding it. Uh, you know, I, I it's tight. It's tight. I mean, it, it, that's what made it such a valid question. Is it's sure. it's close because it, it's a, so it's as big of a September game as you'll find for two teams that have been in the college football playoff for the past two years. And I'm not going to kiss either one of your rear ends, but I thought both of you had great answers right there. Great angles from both sides. I just wanted to bring that other one in. I just so happened to be watching that show, and they talked about that, and I thought, well, that's that, that's another different side of it. But I, I had been thinking Notre Dame clearly, clearly. Like, this is Notre Dame's do or die. They got to have this to quiet everything people are talking about. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was a good question. Pat on myself on the back, but you guys, great answers, great angles from it. Well, you ain't got to be nice to me, man. I know you don't owe me money, so – I need dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> I need dinner tonight. How about that? <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to to kind of the next topic here, and obviously sticking straight right down the line, all Notre Dame, all all show um, with with the whole thing. Let's look at Georgia's keys to success. All right, and and we're, this is not one of those things where we're going to list off five a piece or anything like that. One area. The number one matchup, the number one area, the number whether it's one on one, whether it's unit versus unit, Kip, the number one area you think Georgia has to win to win this game. That that it, if it wins this area, it wins the game. I, I'm going with the one on one matchup. I want to see who's playing right tackle for Georgia. You know, I, I, we think it'll probably be Isaiah Wilson returning. If not, Cade Mays. You know, I just want to see how. You know, he matches up uh, against that Notre Dame defensive line. I think if, if you have uh, Khalid Kareem or you have Julian Okwara out there, you know, those, those are guys that are NFL prospects, probably their best, you know, maybe their best players they have on the team other, other than that secondary. But I think if, if Georgia's right tackle has success, I think Georgia's going to be tough to beat in that game. So that's kind of what I'm watching. You know, we expect Andrew Thomas. He hasn't really been tested this year. But at the same time, the level that he's playing at, you know, probably the number one offensive lineman in the country right now and his quality of play, he should be able to handle his business on Saturday and give Georgia a pretty good chance on his side. If Georgia's right tackle, you know, is is dominating the line of scrimmage, then Georgia's going to be able to basically dictate what they want to do. And they're going to be able to, again, control that clock and play the, the style of offense they want to play, you know, which is ball control and, and just grinding away at it. And, and also just giving Jake Fromm plenty of time in a clean pocket. And he's been basically, you know, basically perfect this year whenever that happens. So that, that's basically my key to the game is whoever's playing right tackle for Georgia, how are they going to match up with Notre Dame's, you know, defensive end, which – both those guys are, are, are pretty talented players, and I, I think that's kind of going to dictate early on in the game which team kind of has that edge. Huge matchup there. Absolutely huge matchup. Rusty, what are your thoughts on that? I just I – just, I look at – I'm trying to keep this simple, man. Georgia wants to run the ball. Notre Dame's having problems uh, stopping the rush. Right tackle is going to be interesting because as we uh, as we record this, I think Isaiah Wilson's a game time decision. Um, you know, and certainly 
Cade Mays is a high draft pick potential down the line for for whatever reason. You know, Isaiah Wilson's been the starting right tackle and Cade Mays plays guard, uh, right guard when he's in. So Georgia feels like they're best with Isaiah Wilson. So, you know, where are they going to do on the edge against these guys? Because that's where their strength is. Uh, I was talking to an NFL guy last night. Both of those defensive ends have high NFL grades. So uh, early on, uh, that's where their strength is. Who's going to play right tackle? I agree with Kip. But can Notre Dame stop them? And, and can they get creative? And what are they going to do? They're going to make Jake Fromm say, listen, you're not going to run it down our throats. We're going to make you beat us with your guys uh, on the edge, and we're going to make Jake Fromm beat us. you got to pick your poison against Georgia uh, because Georgia is going to want to run the ball, period, no matter who they're playing. So the matchup for me is that interior defensive line against those three guys, probably Ben Cleveland, uh, maybe Cade Mays, Trey Hill, and Solomon Kinley. Jake, we're, we're huge Solomon Kinley guys. You know Solomon Kinley is going to be juiced to know that he's going to walk in there and the coaches are saying we're running right behind you, big boy, all night. What do you got? Because that, that dude is an absolute mauler. This is, I'll tell you this, too. This is an NFL game tape. When, when these guys start getting evaluated and they start breaking these games down each week, this was going to be every – there's going to be so many NFL scouts there. So many NFL scouts there. Uh, this is probably the best guy that Andrew Thomas will play all year. So his tape will be evaluated. So, uh, you know, these guys have got to be excited for, for team-wise, but individually-wise, because this is a huge tape for these guys. You know, I, I look at that, and I, I just feel like that matchup is so heavily slanted in Georgia's favor because – Listen, I know you don't get to the level that these Notre Dame players are playing at, these interior guys, without having a ton of pride and being a big-time competitor. So I know that those guys have heard all week, George is going to run it down your throat. George is going to run it down your throat. If that coaching staff, if if this is the way they go about things, they've definitely come at that defensive sure. line, that interior defensive line, all week long. You can't stop them. You can't do it. You can't do it. And, and almost, I know, it's almost you know, the man enough. The man, man enough. Georgia, Missouri. You know, exactly. You know, yeah, that thing. He beat them to him all week long. Mm-hmm. And and you know Notre Dame's going to borrow from the secondary and pull guys down and try to get extra men in the box and that's a playing with fire by itself right there because then you increase the miss the tackle at the line of scrimmage. You may not tackle him at all. You you have all that going on. I'm going to the other side of the ball. Because I have so much confidence in Georgia's offense and, and run game's ability to control the game on that side. I think if Georgia's defensive line wins this football game, wins this, wins this battle of the trenches, wins on that side, if it gets the best of Notre Dame's offensive line, and I don't necessarily care to what extent, if they win that line of scrimmage, I don't think there's a chance Georgia loses this game. I just – I don't see it because – I think Notre Dame's good on the offensive line. I think Notre Dame has a chance to win that battle up front on the offensive line. And and if they do, and they're able to run the ball a little bit, and they're able to keep Ian Book upright and, and, and give him a chance to extend plays, you, you're looking at about a potential shootout situation. Because I don't care how good you are in the defensive backfield, if you can stand back there and run around and do all those different things with, with the athletes that Notre Dame has at tight end, uh, Ian Book's going to find shots downfield. But if Georgia's able to create pressure and, and, and push the pocket and disrupt and, and shut down the run game, I don't think Notre Dame's got a chance. 
I really don't. And I like Georgia's defensive line in this matchup. I think the the number of bodies, the fact that it's a home game, the crowd's going to be loud. They're going to have the advantage of, you know, the offensive line normally has has an advantage when it's at home because they can hear the snap count. They know the snap count. It's that extra split second advantage, whether it's a pass set or run blocking. They're able to to kind of get that over the defensive line. Well. On the flip side of that, when when, a, when an offensive line is on the road in, in a loud environment, they go silent snap count. Everybody's on the same playing field at that point. The defensive line is not – defensive line's watching the ball. The offensive line's watching the ball. They're all moving at the same time, and the defense gains an advantage in that way. And, uh, and I, so I like Georgia's defensive line in this game, but it's a matchup that I highlight because I just think if Georgia wins the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball – I don't see a path to victory for Notre Dame. And, and that's not saying I don't think Notre Dame's a good football team. I think they are. I still think they're developing, and I think they're going to be better at the end of the year than they are right now because, because I think the run game is going to come a long way over the course of the season. It's not going to surprise me if we're looking in game 10 or 11. Notre Dame's running the ball really effectively on people, but they haven't done it thus far. They, they, they're just very spotty, very by committee, nobody they can really rely on. And, and if Georgia can keep that from happening, if they can keep that trend going of Notre Dame struggling to run the ball consistently, it's going to be a really long day for Notre Dame because Jake, Jake, I, I like all the other matchups. Jake, let me cut you off just for a second interrupt. You know who I think Notre Dame is? I think Notre Dame is Georgia next year. Probably a preseason early top ten team going on the road to Alabama with a lot of questions because they're replacing a lot of people. Georgia's going to re- be replacing a lot of people next year. A lot of people potentially with these uh, you know, guys leaving early, probably Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift, probably Jake Fromm. I mean, so when I look at Notre Dame and I fast forward a year to Georgia going to Alabama on this week next year, right now on this day, I believe next year Georgia will play there. Uh, that's the questions I look. You know, how can they, how can they match up with a team – because uh, Notre Dame lost a lot on defense, a lot. And that's where I think Notre Dame is right now. They're playing an alpha male team in Georgia that is a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that for sure. And, and the discussion about what kind of Alabama team Georgia will be facing that day will be a, a different discussion altogether. But, yeah, I, I can definitely kind of kind of see the alignment there. But my, my take is, I, I, I mean, I just – I thought about it a lot, been thinking about it since Sunday, kind of just, just running it over my mind. Like, if Georgia wins this game up front on defense, can Notre Dame do anything about it, about the game in general? And, and the only thing that, that, that'll help them at that point is if Georgia turns the ball over. Because if Georgia takes care of the football, wins up front on defense, I fully expect it to win plenty enough battles to, to win this game and win it comfortably uh, and, and, and kind of – you know, assert their will. You know, you, you, you get a little weary if you're in our spot of, of predicting blowouts and predicting uh, dominance and things like that just because, man, that ball's oblong and it bounces so many different ways. You just never know what's going to happen with it. But, but that's, that's a, to me, that is the, the silver bullet for a, for a blowout right there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys. Let's, uh, let's kind of get into uh, kind of the predictive nature of this game. And, uh, you know, we've, we've on every, every game this year, for the most part, we have, uh, and I don't think we got to an Arkansas State week because we, were in, we ended up loading up for this, uh, this three-episode uh, week. But uh, let's talk about this game from a predictive standpoint and, and what we think is going to happen. And, uh, uh, Rusty, I'm going to toss it to you first. Um, let's don't go score prediction just yet. We'll circle back around and get to that. Who do you see when you look at this game, you look at the matchup, everything you've known and thought about, who do you see coming up big for Georgia in this game? Who's, who's going to have a big game? Um, Jake Fromm. And – I see this in a game, you know, we live this every day with our message board, and there's a lot. Jay Fromm is just a topic on a million different levels every day. But I think that – I think Notre Dame is going to get creative and put extra people in the box. Um, they're going to try to stop the run for Georgia. And how do you combat that? Uh, you know, Georgia's got young wide receivers, uh, kind of inexperienced there. I just think that Jake Fromm and his mind can check to the right plays, see what you're doing, put you in a positive play. Um, I see this very similar to the Florida game last year where Jake Fromm was great on third, made a couple of big throws. Look, we all watched it. We all know what's going on with George Pickens. I think the entire country is about to know who he is. I think he's going to make one of those dynamic plays, and it would not surprise me to see Fromm hit him on one of those back shoulders uh, or one of those uh, fades in the end zone inside the red zone. He just goes up over somebody. Um, I think this is Jake Fromm's game. I think he's going to make a couple of big-time throws. I think he's going to be accurate. I think he's going to have one of those 220, 250-yard games. Uh, two or three touchdown passes and reminds everybody again uh, what a special weapon he is for Georgia as a third-year starter. It's hard to believe that, um, you know, he started two years ago at Notre Dame, his first game. It seemed like the guy's been here for 11 years. But um, this is Jake Fromm's game, and I believe he's going to prove again why he's such a valuable uh, commodity for Georgia. Jake Fromm in home games, I tweeted this earlier this week, and I – really stuck out to me, okay? Jake Fromm, 15 career home games, 14 career starts, over 73% completion percentage, uh, averaging over 11.3 yards every time the ball leaves his hand for a pass attempt. So that's every time he throws the football, Georgia's averaging a first down, over a first down, first down and then some. And 30 touchdowns to three interceptions, a 10 to one touchdown interception ratio, that's elite times elite times infinity because that's just outrageous. So he has been so good at home. I think that's a good pick because, uh, you know, even if you look at his home night games, Mississippi State, Missouri, I mean, just outrageous. Uh, Big play after big play. He made those teams play, those teams that tried to load up and stop Georgia's run game. And uh, and you're predicting that he'll do it again. Kip, who's kind of your pick to click in this game? 
Well, I can't go against what you guys have said about Fromm. He's been outstanding at home. But the one stat that kind of stood out to me earlier this week was just how Notre Dame has done as far as yards over, you know, allowing runs of over 10 yards. I mean, you, you, we've only had three games this season, but Notre Dame, there's only 14 teams that have allowed more runs of over 10 yards than Notre Dame has this year. They've allowed 19 run plays with over, over 10 yards. And, but the thing is, is the other 13 teams have played three games. And, and so, Allowing, you know, close to 10 rush rush plays of over 10 yards is just an alarming stat. So the easy pick there would be DeAndre Swift. He had that outstanding game uh, against Notre Dame as, as a freshman. But I, I really dislike James Cook in this game. I, I think when you look at Notre Dame, they're, they're linebackers. I think uh, on the inside is where there's, you know, there there are opportunities for Georgia to kind of exploit them as far as their sideline to sideline tackling ability. And I think that really, you know, gives James Cook a, a chance to stand out both as a running back and, and as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I think he, uh, after George Pickens, I, I think James Cook is, is third in yards from scrimmage so far this year. I like him to have a couple big explosive plays in this game and really, you know, hit that angle like only he can and make it hard for Notre Dame to, to really get a beat on him, to get a hand on him. And I think he's also shown this year how that time and that strength and conditioning program has, has kind of paid off. You know, he's tougher to tackle than he was when he came in and really starting to kind of uh, transform into, a, you know, a, a more of a, a traditional running back when you need him to be. He's not just that outside guy, but at the same time, he has that ability that, that makes him stand out as a guy that can really kind of uh, stretch defenses, you, uh, you know, getting to that angle and then, and then getting upfield. I think that's going to be tough whenever those Notre Dame defenders are, they have their hands on their hips and, you know, in that third quarter in the fourth quarter, especially if the game is still close. And I think that's really when a guy like James Cook can kind of help Georgia separate themselves on the scoreboard, because I think those guys are going to be, you know, gasping for air late in the game against a guy with that kind of speed and explosive ability. That's an interesting pick, Kip, because I've been thinking yep. from reading Kirby Smart's comments and hearing him talk about James Cook, seeing the way they've used him, I've been thinking that at some point they've got a big role for this guy. I mean, like a major role, like a 15, 16-touch type game in the making, and this one does set up really well for it because I do not like any of Notre Dame's inside linebackers to match up with him in the passing game. I, I think Georgia blocks so well on the perimeter with their receivers and tight ends that he can make plays. I, I, I do like that pick a lot. I, I really do. I think it's a good one. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I'm going to go with a much maligned guy, a guy that has has caught a lot of flack over the last couple of years, over his last – First-year starter last year, come back, didn't play all that great against Arkansas State. But I just think Richard LeCount, all right, when you look at the freelance nature that this game could turn into from Notre Dame's offensive perspective with Ian Book extending plays, throwing uh, the ball down the field, making throws across his body, uh, he does those types of things. And the types of players that, that can really uh, capitalize on that are guys like LeCount who – just have the ability to to get 
in the right place at the right time. I, I look back at the national champion. I'm sorry, the SEC championship game when when you know Tua Tagovailoa was was moving around in the pocket and extending plays and, and putting the ball up. Richard LeCow comes up with his first career inter, career interception. He was a part of so many turnovers last year, fumble recoveries and and forced fumbles and things like that. I think that just, like I said, the freelance nature of of how things, how I envision things going for Notre Dame's offense and Ian Book extending plays, but but probably Georgia doing a good job of keeping them in the pocket because they've got the athletes to do it. I think that he's going to range across the formation at some point, make a big interception, pick up a fumble and run a long way with it. I, I just really like his ability to match up with a team like Notre Dame. Now, now, I do think that that when you start talking about teams that run the ball and get the ball out on the perimeter, he, he's not the best there is at, at tackling running backs and, and bringing running backs down in space or even big receivers down in space. But I don't know that Notre Dame is going to have the type of game plan to get the ball to receivers in space and let them run. I think it's going to be more of a let in book buy some time and, and let try to find somebody open downfield. And, and LeCount's the kind of guy that can make a wide-open receiver not wide open in a, in a minute. I mean, just real quick and, and make a big play. And then there's just something about the way this game shapes up and the style of play with it that makes me think Richard LeCount is in for a big game and, and maybe kind of buys himself a week of credibility on the Dogs 247 junkyard uh, as far as all that goes. Scores. All right, it's time for score predictions, and uh, obviously no uh, X, X to X is going to work here. you got to explain yourself. Kip, what have you got for the final score? I think that G- Georgia is going to stop Notre Dame in the red zone early on in this game. I think the, the home atmosphere is definitely going to play a role. I, I think Georgia is going to – be tough to stop offensively on their first three, four drives. I, I see Georgia getting up to a, you know, a 21-3, 21-6 halftime score. I do think Ian Book will settle in in that in that second half. There, there's going to be a big player too. I mean, when you have a guy like Chase Claypool, a big physical receiver, you know, it's gonna it's gonna test that that secondary for Georgia and Javon McKinley too. This guy's six two, I think, two hundred twenty two pounds. The, these guys are physical, and it's going to test that secondary. And you know, we we don't think Tyson Campbell is going to be able to, to play this week after playing probably you know some of the best football of his young career. So you're going to have DJ Daniel or Tyreek Stevenson out there, and and really, you know, it, it's an opportunity for those guys, and it really goes to show what Kirby Smart's been recruiting. I mean, you look at Eric Stokes, you you look at these d- defensive backs. That's why you bring these type of players in to match up against these big physical wideouts. So it's an opportunity for them, but it's also an area, you know, with question marks. So I I think that there might be a big player, too, uh, that opens up for for Ian Book. And and it's going to have to happen for Notre Dame uh, to have a chance this game. He's going to George is going to try to keep everyone in front of him and, you know, test him, put pressure on him. And he's going to have to extend his uh, his area of comfort level here and, and try to push the ball downfield late in the game. I think he'll get one big play. Uh, I see Georgia coming out on top in this game, 35-16. to 16. I think Notre Dame finds the end zone once and then is relegated to kicking field goals uh, for, the, for the rest of the game. And I think that 
George Pickens comes up with another big place, having one per week. But also, I think uh, you know there'll probably be a, a you know a bonehead play here or there, a missed block and or a penalty, and I think that's going to give Notre Dame a chance to kind of hang in there and make it maybe a, a one to two score game in the second half. But I, I think this this running back group that Georgia has in the offensive line is just going to bear down in the third and fourth quarter and and, and basically wear them out and, and and force them to take chances that, you know, uh, they're going to have to be aggressive. And I, I think that'll end up with, with a guy like Richard LeCount maybe having a turnover or two in this game and, and Georgia covering and coming out with a signature win early in the season. Rusty, what you got, man? I predicted on August 1st, 27 to 20. Uh, I kind of said in my summary there, this is the kind of game that Rodrigo would be important uh, because, you know, you look at defenses and, and red zones and those types of things and we really, really weren't sure. And we're still some, some questions on Georgia as, uh, a little bit offensively on the edge, even their wide receivers are playing good now. They got some injuries, a little different questions going into this game. I look at a lot of things, and I probably could talk 20 minutes. I'm going to keep it short. The The speed of Georgia, um, their 85-man roster, we talk about it. I talk about it. It's better than Notre Dame's. Uh, their third down package with Adam Anderson and, and Nolan Smith and, and Trayvon Walker and and those guys, you know, Ian Book wants to run at times. He wants to be that threat with his legs. Georgia can negate that. Um, they're going to have – and Claypool is an absolute stud at wide receiver. Love him, watching more of him. Uh, I just think that Georgia is better in all facets of this game, uh, special teams, offense, defense, and where it matters on the offensive line and defensive line. I think Georgia's got the depth. I think they're going to take this game over, but absolutely agree with with a lot of what Kip said. This game is going to be a game uh, for a while, and I think Georgia will pull this thing out and and, and separate a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, it, and I and I know Notre Dame a little bit different now. I knew they lost three of their top five tackle or four of their top five tacklers from last year going into this thing. Um, a little bit banged up now. The running back out. I just don't see it on Notre Dame's side just because of Jimmy's and Joe's. Look, I mean, they've got some great players, but I think Georgia is one of those three or four elite rosters in college football right now. And I'm going to go Georgia 41, Notre Dame 20. Rusty's taking the over. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see the over hitting in this game. I think it's 58 and a half. Sure. Um, I, so, I think it's pretty apparent by the time things roll over to the second quarter and teams swap sides on the field, I think it's pretty apparent that Georgia's in control of this game. I, I don't know that the score is going to indicate that, but I do expect Georgia to control this game. Now, I say that with, with the notion that I think Notre Dame comes out, uh, Georgia scored on all three of their first touchdown drives this year, and I think that happens again on Saturday. Uh, and I think it happens with the touchdown. I think Notre Dame settles in defensively. And, and maybe does a better job in the first quarter of stopping the run than they do on the first drive uh, of kind of slowing Georgia down, a couple punts maybe. Uh, but, but ultimately, I think Georgia starts to control this game in the second quarter. Uh, I like the Bulldogs to be up by a score, maybe two at halftime. And then I think Georgia, a team that has allowed three second-half points through three games, 
Okay, like that defense that has. I mean, they threw a pick six. I'm not really counting that against the defense. The defense has allowed three second half points in three games. Um, I think Georgia kind of kind of pulls away with this one. Now, I do think Notre Dame gets it going at some point. Like I've said, and, and I believe in this, teams have pride. Brian Kelly has pride. They're not going to quit. They're not going to stop playing. Georgia's philosophy is to make the other team quit. I don't think Notre Dame's going to do that. They've got a bunch. Of, they've got a really really fiery, really competitive group, a, a talented group at that. And I think they find a way to score a couple times here late and and kind of make it look a little bit better than it is. But ultimately, I think Georgia wins, and I think Georgia covers uh, simply because of the matchup. Georgia, I said this all the way back, Rusty, it was probably maybe our second, third podcast. I don't think Notre Dame matches up well with Georgia. I think Georgia's ability to run the football, Notre Dame's issues at linebacker, uh, and, and, and their inability to run the football consistently and with impact, with, with big plays, uh, it hurts Notre Dame, but I but I like Georgia, and I'm going with 34-17 on this. I think Notre Dame scores maybe you know seven ten late to kind of get to that score, but I think Georgia wins by 17, uh, and, and under hits uh, at 51 points with that, if my math is correct. But uh, I, I do think Notre Dame shows some pride defensively, though, and, and forces Georgia to kick a couple field goals. And to be honest with you, and I said this when I emptied the notebook this morning. I think that that Rodrigo Blankenship, it's not going to be a game winner because obviously I'm picking Georgia by 17 points, but I think at some point a drive's going to stall at the 40 or a drive's going to stall at the 36 or something. Rodrigo's going to hit a long field goal. He's loved in Athens. He's he's loved in that stadium. He gets the loudest ovation of any player. Jake Fromm, just as loud as Todd Gurley used to get. And uh, he, he's going to bang one home from a long way. And, and really get that crowd fired up and, and kind of give this team some momentum. But I'm taking Georgia 34-17. to 17. All right, so that's it. We've all got Georgia winning. I think we've all got Georgia covering. I'm uh, going to say this one more time before we let you guys go. Treat the Notre Dame fans well. Y'all have fun on Saturday. You be safe. Great sportsmanship. Treat each other well. Uh, coming off a great, good-feeling weekend uh, against Arkansas State in which Blake Anderson just can't say enough great things about the University of Georgia. Keep that going. Uh, keep the good name going. Keep you know Treat Notre Dame fans like they treated Georgia fans. We said it earlier in the week, and it bears mentioning once again because uh, this is what college football is all about. This is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to cover it. It's, it's a, the, the latest kickoff that, that of my lifetime. And uh, we'll have it all covered for you. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs247, all of us. And you guys take care. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.